0: Welcome to From the Den podcast, providing Bears and NFL fans alike with compelling news, discussion, and debate. I'm your co-host, Benjamin, joined
1: alongside my dear friend and co-host, Or. Hey, Benjamin, let's get right into it. As always, kickoff starts now.
0: Welcome to episode 11 of From the Den, where today we will be discussing two topics on the Bears' offense, their tight end position and the offensive line position.
1: Yeah, and even though they're not the exact same position, both positions heavily struggled last year in the Bears offense. And a debate or an argument for each one could be made that they were the reason the Bears offense was so unsuccessful last year.
0: Yeah, so it makes sense that the Bears have been spending a lot of time and effort into improving their tight end position. But some people are laughing at what they're doing around the NFL, how they've acquired so many tight ends. And with the signing of Jimmy Graham, the Bears have done a lot of things controversial with this tight end position. So we're going to start off with that position. And do you think that this, uh, that the amount of money that the Bears have spent
1: on the tight ends is worth it? Um. Well, it depends. I think that the Bears are, have the right idea of spending money on tight ends because any single, like I say, any single Matt Nagy offense revolves around a tight end. The tight end is the most important position, besides for quarterback, obviously. but. A tight end is one of the most, if not the most important position in a Matt Nagy offense. It, that's how they succeed. Kansas City has Travis Kelsey. The Eagles not only have Zach Ertz, but they have Dallas Goddard. And the Bears, who do they have? They don't really have anyone. They're I mean, not. They
0: had two years ago. They didn't have. Did they have Burton
1: two years ago? They had him in 20. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, go on. But even then, he wasn't that amazing. But the Bears' offense was the middle of the pack. And you can see this year, the Bears' leading tight end, the Bears' receiving leader was a tight end, had 94 yards. Which kind of goes to show that the Bears had such a lack of production. I think it was the Bears had the least amount of receiving yards from a tight end for a Bears team since 1971. Mm-hmm. When Back then, tight end wasn't even really considered a, a receiving position. It was still a blocking position. and I think that the Bears have the right idea in mind, but they didn't get the right players. So I'm happy with the idea they want to spend a lot of money, but don't go after Jimmy Graham and try to sign him to big to big to a lot of so
0: money. Are you in favor of the like last year when they when one of their main problems was clearly the kicker, they went out and brought in like ten kickers. Everyone knows about that crazy competition that ended with Eddie Pinheiro, who had a pretty good season but he messed up a few times. So do you agree with the um with the way Nagy likes to um, target his deficiencies by just taking in a lot of players, or would you rather that he just targets one good player rather than trying to go like with 10 players and
1: narrow it down? Well, the problem with the tight end position is it seems like he's trying to do both. He's giving Jimmy Graham the tight end one position money. He's drafting Cole Komet as a tight end one position draft pick, yet they still have nine tight ends. So it just shows how important the position is. The kicker position is a bit different. It's not like they signed any kicker to a lot of money. It's not like this. It's not like that. They were just trying to see which kicker would fit the Bears team best. This, they're signing Jimmy Graham to a lot of money. They didn't draft a kicker. They didn't draft a kicker at all. They didn't spend any draft picks on a kicker. Here, they drafted a second-round pick on a tight end. And again, Mm -hmm. kickers are one kicker or two kickers ever have been drafted in the second round or higher but the Bears didn't spend the 7th round or 6th round on kicker. They didn't spend a lot of money. They didn't spend a lot of draft capital. So the Bears tight end position is a bit different because it has big money.
0: And it has bigger implications.
1: Yeah, from all different locations, a lot of players. So it's different, and I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm really happy with the approach because either go, go one way or the other. Really spend a lot of money on this position, but get quality players like an Austin Hooper. The Bears could have signed Eric Ebron, who would, in my opinion, is a lot better than Jimmy Graham. Well,
0: Eric Ebron is also – it might have just been because of his being a red zone threat, and that's also what Jimmy Graham was. I mean, he was – maybe they could have gotten Eric Ebron for less
1: money, though. I think that the Steelers signed him for not that much money, but um, I think it might have been the same around as Jimmy Graham. But the thing is that he's such a better tight end. He's a bit more injury-prone, and he drops a ball more often. But his production just outmatches Jimmy Graham by a mile. And it just it bothers me that the Bears are unable to find a tight end in, in offense where they need a tight end. And it's not only Ryan Pace's fault, because Matt Nagy is also has a big input into this. And Matt Nagy probably wanted Jimmy Graham as much as Ryan Pace did, because I think Matt Nagy might have a bigger input in this tight end position, who they get, because it's his offense he knows who he needs. And him getting Jimmy Graham, I think, just, is a terrible well, if thing. you're
0: just saying you just said he knows who he needs then why are you suddenly doubting the jimmy graham signing
1: because I'm, I'm not suddenly doubting it i think it was a terrible signing i think that the idea of signing a tight end to a lot of money was good if they were to get a big name free agent like if they were to get an austin hooper
0: yeah I would... I, well honestly I, I know what you meant when you said big name but i think jimmy graham is a bigger is a big name tight end just because of his years in new orleans but still yeah i understand what you mean a, a, a big player tight end just a good a better player yeah so how many tight ends do you anticipate being on the Bears roster by the time the actual 2020 season rolls
1: around no way more than five four to five
0: got it um and also the Bears have Cole Comet and Jimmy Graham those two tight ends are everyone's is expecting them to be at least somewhat involved in the offense but it gets a little trickier when you get to tight end three there's Adam Shaheen, Broniker, some other tight ends. Uh, do anticipate the tight end three having any role, like any major role
1: in the bears offense. And who would that tight end three be? Well, when you look at this improved tight end group from the bears, even though obviously it's not amazing, it's still improved. They have Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet who will take up most of the snaps. Jimmy Graham is not a great blocking tight end. And I might, I think he should be utilized like this. And even though he might not be utilized completely like this, I think he's more of a red zone threat than anything. Cole Komet is an all around tight end. He can catch the ball, block, but the Bears need a specific blocking tight end. That's where Demetrius Harris comes in. He's not an amazing receiving tight end, but he's known for his blocking. He's a good blocking tight end. He'll be able to improve this Bears blocking. And I think that also helps Cole Komet because having someone like yesterday, Demetrius Harris had an interview with the whole Bears, all the Bears all the Bears reporters and all that. And he said he's willing to take Cole Komet under his shoulders, do like teach him what to do. And I think having a good blocking tight end and improving teaching Cole Komet how to block will be greatly improved because I think tight ends, learning how to block is something that you learn how to do as time grows on. While I think that catching and- Well, it
0: really depends on the tight end because there are some tight ends that are used solely or way more for catching. Jimmy Graham was never a good blocking tight end. And there are others that are used solely- for blocking, they're never supposed to be uh, catching tight end. And like you were saying, it, the tight end pos- uh, position has really been revolutionized. Like 40 years ago, it was used only for blocking. Now there are plenty of tight ends who are used only for catching. So now there's a variety of different positions or different roles that a tight end can't play.
1: Yeah, but Cole Komet, he's an all-around tight end. He can block. He can do this. He can do that. And obviously, once he comes into the NFL, he's not going to be an amazing blocker because he's a rookie. Why he- not? he's only blocked college players. It's not like he's... Well, that's... He didn't, he didn't get... Edward, dri-
0: <laughs> who's, who's a good blocker who's come out of college who hasn't only blocked college players? What does that even mean?
1: I'm saying is he's a rookie, and he's, it's not like he's coming, getting drafted for his blocking. It's... Well, you said he can do...
0: He's an all-around player, so, you, so he's not as much of an all-around player. He's just more of a catching tight end then.
1: No, he is an all-around player, but his blocking is still going to need to be greatly improved. Because the difference between blocking in college and blocking the NFL is big. It's very rare to find a rookie who is not drafted solely for blocking that is going to be successful in the NFL at blocking. And I think that having Demetrius Harris teach him and have him improve will greatly help his game and help him develop. Weight. Okay, well, also, while Demetrius Harris
0: could be helping Cole Komet, do you think that he will have a, like an actual role in the offense aside from just helping Komet on the sideline? Like will, will Demetrius Harris himself do anything? Yeah, of course you'll do something. I don't think you'll be... I mean, significant. When I, when I said do anything, I mean something significant.
1: I think as the year goes on, he'll have less and less a role because Cole Clement will slowly and slowly move into the, this offense more and more. Yet, I still think that he'll have a solid role. And I think he'll get like five, seven, eight snaps a game, ten snaps a game. And I think he's my tight end three. And I'm going to go tell you my tight end four because I think there's only going to be four tight ends. And I think it should be J.P. Holtz. I think people really underrated how great of a blocker he is. He's he's a fullback. And I get that you're having him play tight end position, but I would say he's a fullback. He came in in the I formation and would block for Dave Montgomery in the Chargers game. He did that a few times and it worked pretty well. He's able to catch. And obviously he's not the best receiver because obviously if he was a way better receiver, I think he would be higher than.
0: Well, yeah. And also if you already have Comet and, Graham, you don't need all your tight ends to be receivers. Like I was saying, versatility—you can have some that are only, um, that are solely used for blocking. That's fine.
1: Yeah, but I think that having JP Holtz will help this help the Bears' offense just become more dominant in the trenches. It'll make them more of a. It'll make them. It feels like the Bears are like uh, they they're not a hard nosed team. The offensive side, it feels like they're. They're just... Soft
0: right now, yeah. Also, we discussed that they don't have an identity. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: But Gene, um, I, I don't think of him as a soft player. I think of him as, as a rough and tough player.
0: hmm So... so I, as the Bears' history. It's my turn now. <laughs> um. So, yeah, Komet and Graham are easily the tight end one and tight end two. I don't know which of those will emerge ahead. I guess that's a good question for after I finish. Um, I do not like Shaheen at all. I agree that it will be a blocking tight end that gets the tight end three. i There's no need to have three tight ends who are only catching, especially since the Bears already have so much depth at the wide receiver position or so many players who could step in and be a good wide receiver before I could see Shaheen or Bronicker or another of one of those tight ends being a main receiver. So, Definitely, the tight end three will be more of a blocking tight end. But I'm gonna to have to go with um, Holtz, J.P. Holtz, as a tight end three, because I agree with everything you're saying about him. But that's why I'm gonna put him over Broniker. He's a, he's a rough and tough player, and he can be a good blocker. So for and Demetrius Harris could be a good role model for Cole Komet, but that doesn't mean that he will be involved in the offense more per se.
1: Yeah, but also Demetrius Harris. Is, I'm. I get that he helps Cole Komet, and that's a big part of it. But having him on the field is also good because he's. He's also. A, oh, I know it might be good, but I just I anticipate that Holtz
0: will have a bigger role. Okay. That's um, true. and then the question that I brought up also: Who's going to end up having a bigger role, Graham or
1: Comet? Well, I think that Comet will have a bigger role is I think he's going to emerge as a good very solid tight end a good receiving tight end and I think that slowly and slowly the bears are going to start to regret the signing of Jimmy Graham and honestly I wouldn't be surprised if by like week 8 they week 8 they release him something like they did with Mike really? Davis with who Mike Davis No when they released Mike Davis on week 8 Yeah yeah and um I think
0: that just seeing- That would make sense. I think for now it's good to have a backup or another tight end in case Comet um, doesn't live up to his potential. But yes, if Comet is playing great, then yeah, that would make sense if they go ahead and release Jimmy Graham and free up some money.
1: Yeah. And what, the only thing that concerns me about him is that he's not very durable. He's old. He's had catching problems. And I think that... The only thing that concerns me, and then you name like five different things. Yeah, well, I mean, you can always find a few things. There are, like, there are a few things, but I think that his potential, he still has potential. And I think that, honestly, when you look at his time in Green Bay, he really, really wasn't utilized the correct way. I and- mean, Graham, something Graham. crazy about Graham, he's played under
0: Breeze, Wilson, and Rodgers. And you can't ask for like, much better than that. So you definitely can't Let make me- the excuse of bad quarterback play.
1: Rodgers, I wouldn't even consider him a good quarterback when passing to tight ends. Yes, historically, I guess he might not have had amazing tight ends throughout his career, but he's never historically had a good season with tight ends.
0: Mm-hmm. But everything. still.
1: And I, and I think that you can look at the way everything was utilized and the way that the Packers are building their team now. It seems like they're not even worrying that much about the tight end position. Like they're kind of disregarding it because they know that if they, they don't, they shouldn't sign a big name free agent or draft a tight end high. Because all they know is this tight end is not great. Yeah,
0: but back to the Bears or back to Jimmy Graham, maybe the reason why Graham was good in the first place is because he was working with the all-time great Drew Brees, and that was really when they had the greatest chemistry. So it begs the question, is Graham a good tight end when he's not with an elite quarterback who can throw to him well? I mean, he was still pretty dominant with the um,
1: with Russell Wilson, yeah. Well, Russell Wilson is also a top five quarterback in the NFL, right? But I'm saying is it wasn't only Drew Brees, and the question can be asked: He's never played with a bad quarterback, exactly. But I think that the Bears aren't expecting him to be how he was with the Saints or with the Seahawks, and the Bears on the the Bears can, could not have. I don't know what Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy thought, but I'm fairly confident that they thought that. They had, they have an expectation for him, and it can't be anything like one thousand yards. And I think that honestly, going back to his contract, I think that they should have made it more a just more. If he gets a thousand yards, he gets a million dollars, something like that, rather than having a contract where it is all given. Like a Pro Bowl bonus, one of those things, even if, yeah. more. So, because he's a type of player who you don't know what you're getting with him. Because the past few years he's been playing, and I feel like he hasn't been able to show what he really is. I could be wrong. But I think that I want to see first. I want to see him first before.
0: Got it. Got it. So that's the answer to the question about Jimmy Graham. And I think we both agree that Cole Komet will end up outplaying him. So let's see here. What other questions do we have? On to Cole Komet. Just a quick question: Do you think that the Bears should have drafted a different tight end other than Komet? Was he taken too high? Was he a steal? Was he taken at the perfect place? Just what are your thoughts on the draft selection of Cole Komet? Just a quick little. I'm still,
1: and I think that people who aren't necessarily Bears fans think that the draft pick is pretty bad because they say, "Oh, the Bears already signed Jimmy Graham. The Bears have eight tight ends. Why do they need another?" They don't understand is that five of those tight ends won't be on the roster. Two of those tight ends won't really do anything on any bear on any NFL team. Mm -hmm. So there's aren't the bears don't really have that many tight ends. It's the number might seem crazy, but they're only fighting for the tight end three and four position, which won't even be utilized that much. Like I, I get that it's that that position is needed and they do need to see who's best for it. And that's why I'm not totally upset. They have these many tight ends. But I think the Bears are made fun of for this and like find something else to make fun of the Bears for. <laughs> like eight tight ends, as a Bears fan, I wouldn't even make fun of them. Like, there are plenty of other things to make fun of them for, and that's not one of them. And I think that the Jimmy Graham signing, the Bears know what he's supposed to be. And I don't think the Bears expect him to be anything but a red zone player or possibly occasionally a added in a bit more. But I think that Cole Komet is the Bears' focal point of the offense, not focal point of the offense, but he is going to be a big part of the offense day one. And I think that just knowing how much Matt Nagy wants to get the ball to the tight end, he's having a tight end opening up the field. She makes everything easier for everyone else. And I think that he's just so desperate to get a tight end, to just get a successful tight end. And that's why he drafted Cole Komet. And I think that they got him at the perfect spot. He was supposed to go a bit higher.
0: Well, also about getting at the perfect spot, something to take into account. I'm try- I was trying to look him up. I can't find the exact player's name, but I know that there was a particular tight end that was being compared to Komet or just they were supposed to go around the same spot and that tight end actually dropped to the fourth round. So it raises the question, did the Bears reach on Cole Komet if they could have gotten this very similar tight end who some people even said was better than Komet in the fourth round? Or was it just that this guy slid and Comet was a fine selection?
1: I think that's something
0: to take into account.
1: I could be wrong, but I'm fairly confident Comet was the consensus number one. Mm-hmm. That everyone can make an argument, like Tua Tagovailoa is better than Joe Burrow, but there wasn't really a doubt in anyone's mind that Joe Burrow was going wasn't going number one.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. So there always a few people who say this or that, but I think Cole Komet was supposed to be taken early first. I mean, late first, early second, and I mean the Bears got him a bit later, and I was actually surprised. I thought that I was expect, I wasn't expecting the Bears to take him, and I'm happy that they took him. But I think that the Bears got a good pick right at around where they should have, because even though, like I said, the Bears, the Bears, what's it called? The Bears didn't have like a real tight end that they could have used. I still think that the Bears had a bit bigger needs, so that's why I think it's the perfect time because they got, they kind of got him as not a steal. he's supposed to be picked a bit earlier. But they got him a Mm -hmm. bit, they got him a bit, they got him at like a good time and it fits a need. It's not, I wouldn't say the biggest need that they had, but later I feel like they addressed mostly all of their needs this offseason. So.
0: I think the tight end was the Browns taking Harrison Bryant. I think that was the guy I was thinking of Harrison Bryant. I just found it, but yeah, I'm going to go pretty quickly with what I was saying. I've already shared most of my insights and I realized that we did go over this in a, a previous video. Where we went over all the Bears draft picks. Yes, the Bears had a lot of needs to address, and yes, they did already sign Graham. From an outside perspective, that's a little silly, but if the Bears like Komet and if they thought it was the right place to take him, I don't think it's that big of a deal that they took him. I'm and and I like his draft profile. He's a smart player, as we went over in like a YouTube bonus video about Nagy saying that he could never stump Komet in when he was quizzing him. So that's very positive positive. one more question before we move on to the part two about the offensive line mm-hmm. Adam Shaheen neither of us are very big fans of him but maybe you see some positive in, in him or maybe I do do you think that the Bears should just release Adam Shaheen who's had trouble with dropping um, blocking but he still is a young tight end and he was taken in the second round which is why I said I was nervous about Komet too So do you think the Bears should just release Shaheen, get over him, or give him another shot?
1: I think that I would not be – I'm not very high on him, but I still say he still has potential, and he could still do something. Also, what's his salary? I think that's important. Not that much? much? Okay. I doubt that the Bears will re-sign him to anything big. I really do, and he's really not been playing well lately. But I would still say that he's a solid tight end, not, not a, he could potentially be a solid tight end, not amazing,
0: yeah,
1: but okay, maybe tight end three, tight end four area, but the Bears can't be waiting on him for this long, and the Bears are not going to keep him. The Bears are going to let him go. Because Ryan Pace has spent this whole offseason fixing all of his previous mistakes. So, and,
0: sorry, go on, go.
1: Yeah. Ryan Pace realizes that they need to win now, and Ryan Pace let go of Leonard Floyd and signed Robert Quinn. He got Nick Foles in order to compete with Mitchell Trubisky. He's been doing a lot of stuff. He released Trey Burden. He released Taylor Gabriel, Prince and Mukamara. all these players that he signed that he thought were good signings. He released. He's been going, doing all these things that go, he's trying to fix all of his mistakes because he says, and he thinks the only way that we can win is if I realize that I made previous mistakes and we need to fix them. And Adam Shaheen is a previous mistake. And Matt, and Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy realized that we can't spend another two or three years waiting on this guy to maybe develop into a solid player while we have a solid player on our team right now. So I don't know if he'll get released right away, but I think that once it comes down to the 53-man roster, he's not going to be on that list. He's going to be out of Chicago. And okay. I think there's going to be a few teams that want him. He was a second-round pick a few years ago. But I still think that the Bears are a team that's trying to win now, and they can't have players like Adam Shaheed holding them back.
0: Before I make my argument here, I just want to uh, ask a question because I don't remember this. When the Bears released Kevin White, was, like, were they, would they have had to re-sign him out of his rookie contract, or was he still on his rookie contract?
1: He was still on his rookie contract, but I think that – no, that it was his last year of his contract. I think.
0: Right, exactly. So then that's, that fits what I was going to say, where Kevin White was a player who was drafted – For those of you who don't know, you're lucky because I've been trying to wipe him out of my memory, too. Taking with the seventh overall pick, I believe. Mm -hmm. A wide receiver the Bears drafted. He got injured a few years down the line. He only played a few games. Most memorable thing he ever did was have a last-second catch against the Patriots, (laughs) which didn't mean anything. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. The point is the Bears didn't just release him randomly like two years in. They waited until they would have actually had to pay him more money. So, yeah, I don't like Shaheen at all, but there's not really a point. or I don't think it's necessary to release him right now if you're not going to be paying him a lot of money. So once that rookie contract expires, release him, fine. But for now, just keep him on the team just to see if he will break out at some point.
1: But My only question and thing that I have to say against you is that why would you keep a tight end that you're waiting on maybe a year or two to develop if he played so poorly last year, he played so poorly. He had a very minor injury, and they put him on injury reserve. Hmm. Why would they keep a tight end that is so help hurting the team right well, now?
0: It's, it's not. If there's no one else to fill in for him. Then it's not a big deal. If there's no, if he's not like taking up someone else's space on the roster that could do more.
1: You have nine tight ends, and honestly, at the current moment, probably seven or six of them are better than him. And I, I do believe that. I could name you seven or six tight ends on the roster. And I think that looking at it right now, I don't think that Shaheen should be, even though he's a second round pick and you kind of have to, there's a reason you draft a second round pick and you kind of have to respect that the second round pick most likely has more potential and more skill than the undrafted, undrafted player, but it's all about on the field. And Adam Sheen has been terrible on the field. And I don't think that the bears can keep waiting for him. Okay. Let's move on
0: to the second half of this episode now with the offensive line. You wanna ask the first question here?
1: I would love to. Great. So last year I felt like the Bears' whole offense was doing terribly. And I think that on my opinion, and most Bears fans. Yeah, opinion, we've
0: already we've all been over this in previous yeah. episodes too. We've talked about it a lot. Yeah. So why do you think the offensive line was so bad? It's really jarring and strained honestly the the offensive line had such a heavy decline it didn't seem like some there was some big personnel change or anything that would cause that heavy decline so the one thing I can blame is a lack of discipline as we've said in other episodes in 2018 no one really expected much from the Bears and they were able to fuel off that underdog mentality and go to a 12 and 4 record the next year There were super high aspirations from fans and even other analysts, and they got too cocky and undisciplined, and they fell to 8-8. and I think that the part of the Bears team that was impacted the most by this uh, lack of discipline, it was the Bears' offensive line. There were so many more penalties from guys like Bobby Massey and usually guys who were –
1: the Bears had a solid offensive line in 2018. The Bears even, I, I know this is a bad metric, but the Bears had two pro bowlers. Yeah. It's a show that, imagine, tar- imagine right now Charles Lionel being a pro bowler. So Nagy. the one thing I can blame is
0: a lack of discipline and bad coaching from Nagy. Because in the first few weeks, like Nagy, uh, he wasn't letting in a lot of starters into the preseason, which was fine by fans at the time, by me too. Until like, I think that's when I realized the significance of preseason in that, they were, they were playing so sloppy for the first few weeks and then really through the rest of the season. I think in the first few games, that lack of discipline uh, is understandable, but it's, then it's on Nagy. Well, it's been on Nagy since the start because you're coaching this team, you have to keep them sharp. But it's even, it gets even worse when Nagy doesn't do anything to change and to make sure that uh, they have less penalties throughout the season. So like always, I'm going to blame Nagy here. But of course, it's also... It should be the fault of some of the players for not taking it upon themselves to realize their situation and improve on it. If not at the start of the season, midway through the season when they're realizing what's going on with this, with the offensive line.
1: Yeah. So I would say the bears offensive line issues are to be blamed on them. And looking at what the bears did this off season, I think that Kyle long, I Kyle long retired and the bears signed, they signed Jermaine Fetty well, I think it was, it was a solid sign. They only signed him for very cheap. He'll compete for the right guard position and probably he's the most likely to get that position. But I think that looking at the Bears' offensive line right now, they didn't really change that much from last year or this year. And I think that's very interesting because it was the pretty obvious that the Bears' offensive line had an issue. And I, like I said, I have to blame the Bears' offensive line. And I just... I can't come to something to blame like what well, to blame them
0: on because maybe from the Bears perspective or from Nagy's perspective or Pace's it's that in 2018 with the same corp basically the same corp uh, aside from Kyle Long they were able, they were able to succeed so their mindset is we don't really need to bring in so many other players when it's clear that these players do have the potential to be good or great when under the right coaching so In defense of Nagy or Pace, I think their mindset going in and and not acquiring a lot of new players was that if we were good in 2018 with these same players, we should be able to recover in 2020.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's interesting because I want to blame the Bears offensive line for their issues because clearly there's really not no one else to blame. But why does Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace this is kind of off track? but why do they have so much faith in the Bears' offensive line that they'll rebound if they had such a bad year? All they did was re-sign Jermaine Effetti and get um, offensive line coach Juan Hustio.
0: Yeah, that was uh, the next question, and I was a little bit wary to bring it up so that we wouldn't get too sidetracked. Uh, you, you got any more to add about why they declined, or I can transition into the offensive line coach? I
1: have to say it was the offensive line, and I – no, I wouldn't say I disagree with you. I think it's part of it that they were a bit cocky. But I wouldn't solely say it was because they're cocky. Yeah, of course not. It seemed they, they seemed undisciplined and they seemed like... Exactly,
0: yeah, that's what I was saying.
1: Some teams, I felt like some teams strive under, the, under some different mentalities. Like Some teams strive under hard-nosed head coaches like Mike Ditka, who scream and yell at your players. Some, coach, some players strive under um, coaches who are nice. more friendly like Matt Nagy or players like that and I think that Gruden
0: or yeah I don't know Gruden might be uh I don't know it's just the coach that came to mind but yeah go on
1: I think that it's the Bears offensive line it seemed like they got complacent and they see they felt it seemed like they didn't progress they were they were I wouldn't say they were young but they were for sure I would say on the younger side rather than the older side of an offensive line and Or even in the re- average thing, but the young players didn't really improve. The old players regressed. So I think it all just goes back to complacency. And I think that having a new face and a new offensive line coach will hopefully be able to boost them back up. But that's another question. We'll talk about that later.
0: Yeah. So on to Juan Castillo, the Bears' new tight end coach. Do you think that he will have a significant impact on the Bears' team and the Bears' tight ends? do you see this uh, addition being significant or being enough to repair the mistakes that they made last year?
1: Um, I think that like what I said earlier, the mistakes last year are all fixable because it's not like this bears team. It's they have two players who are who are older and Bobby Massey and Charles. Land. Charles land was only 28 and Bobby Massey's 30. So they're not 34, 33. They're on the older side, but they still have, they still have Cody White here. I think he's 27, 26. They have James Daniels, who's really young. They have Jermaine Effetti, who's younger. They oh, I, all
0: think I, I think I said tight end coach. I, yeah. I don't know. Sorry, I think I misspoke, but that's fine.
1: I a think lot. that looking at all these players it's on the younger side, I think they just need a new face. They need a new a person to bring in a different type of offense. And also, what's good about Juan Castillo is for a long time he was the – he would be the position of like the run game. He would be like the run manager. He would he would control the run game. So I think he'll be able to add an element of running and dominant offensive line play, just <laughs> showing up pounding the defensive linemen in front of you, just going right to him. And I think that that's what the Bears need. Yeah, I, I have. I hope
0: that. Since Nagy and Pace did not acquire too many additional players, they have faith that with good coaching, as, as I was saying earlier, with good coaching, they will be able to improve and go back to the offensive line like in 2018 with those similar players. So that leads me to believe that the Bears have a lot of faith in Juan Castillo. Personally, I haven't looked into him that much to make my own judgment. So I'm just going to have faith that the Bears know what they're talking about and know what they're doing with Castillo here. So I'm excited or just intrigued at least to see what uh, how we will attempt to turn around this offense.
1: Yeah, I'm also to see how we'll be able to turn around this offensive line because they're skilled, but they just didn't put it all together last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so going to – just the whole team. Do you think that? Do you think that if the offensive line turns into their 2018 form, like we were talking about, everything works out well? Do you think that? Do you think, and how will the Bears' players, other players, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers' games elevate? Benefit?
0: Well, yeah. In the first episode, in basically every episode, we cover the large impact that the offensive line position has on. All other parts of the offense, and in turn, the entire team. So it'll 100% elevate the games of every position, whether directly or the most indirect way is through the wide receivers. But of course, if your quarterback is always under pressure, the wide receivers are going to uh, have worse production as well. Um, I'm not going to go into the specifics about how the offensive line play benefits each position. I think it's clear, but One of the main reasons, if not the main reason, that the Bears team and offense regressed in 2019 was because of that offensive line play. So it's clear to me that when that offensive line improves, every other aspect of that offense will in turn improve, helping the team as well.
1: So what I find interesting about football, rather than basketball, where it's more of a star-driven league and... You can have one really good player and some good role players, and then a few bad players, and you could still be successful. Football is a team sport. You look at the Bears, why, is the Bear, why are the Bears' cornerbacks in 2018 so dominant? Because they were solid. It's because they had, the quarterbacks had no time to throw. So when they try to get the ball off, they don't know if the receiver's are open. It in turn in that for that reason the cornerbacks get better. And why are the cornerbacks, why are the defensive linemen so good and why do they get so many sacks? Because the cornerbacks play tight defense on the defenders. They had nowhere to throw the ball, and the pass rushers had more time to get to the quarterback. And I think that's it's so interesting that football's a team game because you have to work off of each other. And because because the Bears didn't have a good running game in 2018, it was harder to pass. And because the Bears because Mitchell Stribisky had a bad year, it's harder to run. But I think what's so interesting about the offensive line is that, in my opinion, the offensive line works in every aspect. I think it's one of the most important positions. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I think that the offensive line is the glue to the offense. And even though the quarterback's in the most important position, the offensive line, if you have a good offensive line, you really are in any game. There's no game that you can – if you have a very solid offensive line, It's very rare that you find yourself playing in a football game that you're not close. It's not a close game because the offensive line is what gives you many opportunities. Same as quarterback, but it's a bit different. And the offensive line for the Bears was very unsuccessful. Now, if the Bears offensive line does better next year, they have Dave Montgomery running through bigger holes, doing better. They have play action working better. They have Trubisky or Foles having more time to throw. I think everything elevates as the offensive line elevates and everything declines as they Yeah, It's off-
0: exactly what I was saying that every. Positions feed off of other positions. Yeah. So when one position does better, especially when it's the offensive line doing better, the rest of the offense will in turn do better. So I think yeah. we agree on that.
1: Yeah. And I think that it's like all positions. Like, like I said, if White Shiver does better, Montgomery will do better and Foles. Yes whiskey will do better and that's how football works but i think the offensive line is even more important than that because the offensive line doing poorly affects everything well yeah
0: but it affects everything just because if the offense does badly then the team does worse
1: well i'm saying the offensive line like let's say you take dave montgomery and he has a bad game It's harder to throw, but it's not as impossible as having a terrible offensive line. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. That the offensive line feeds off of, or other positions feed off of the offensive line, maybe the most or more than other positions. Yeah, yeah, we 100% agree on that. So I think I'm going to move on here to individual positions, just kind of a review of different players on this Bears offensive line. We'll start with James Daniels. He's a very intriguing player and prospect. He's only 22 years old right now. Uh, he's had a lot of highs and lows. You know, he has a fair amount of penalties, but also he ha- sometimes has solid play. So what do you think about him? And do you think that he will make a significant jump this year?
1: Um, I think James Daniels is a young player who with better coaching and I think he has all the skills. He's young and I think he will be able to take a jump this year. Now, I think against 2018 against the Rams, where they played on Sunday Night Football in Chicago, he was, he, he was blocking Aaron Donald. At, the, at that point, one of the best defensive tackles of still, all
0: still time. Still, 100%, still one of the
1: best. One of the best defensive tackle seasons of all time. Oh, seasons. Okay, yeah. And I think in James Daniels played very well against him. James Daniels showed his potential that he can block a lot of or nearly, if he can block Aaron Donald, he can block any player in the NFL. Yeah, I think that it's like saying Trubisky. Trubisky has proven that he can play against any team. The only problem is, is that it doesn't happen very often. It's very rare. And I think that James Daniels has shown that more often he can do it than Trubisky. But I still think that James Daniels with the, with the bad coaching can turn into Trubisky. And I get it's a very – it's not a great comparison, but he can turn into a player as potential and can play some games well, some games, some games poorly. But he needs a coach like Juan Castillo who can put it all together. And I really hope that he'll be able to do that for them.
0: I would agree with that. He confuses me as a player. He's been switched around in positions a lot, and I'm not sure what the Bears want from him right now in terms of what position they want him to play. But of course, I want him to do well. (laughs) And I'm I'm hoping that he will do well. I do agree. He has exhibits a lot of just raw talent. He needs uh, a little bit more discipline, like not off the field, meaning like less penalties. Hopefully Juan Castillo can be that guy who can reduce those penalties. Yeah. So... Now, Cody Whitehair, a bright spot on this offensive line, especially in 2018. He was one of the pro bowlers.
1: Yeah.
0: um, And the other one was Kyle Long. So he's the remaining pro bowler on that offensive line. Do you see him continuing this consistent play? Is he the best
1: offensive lineman, clearly? And what else do you think about him? I mean, at the current moment, he's the best offensive lineman. And the only way that anything changes is either Charles Leno somehow becomes great. Um, James Daniels takes a major step. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Ifedi just for some reason was terrible and it was not great. <laughs> it was amazing. And Bobby Massey just becomes great. And I think all those things, either one of them happening is very unlikely. So I would bet my money on J- Cody Whitehair being the best offensive lineman next year, additionally. And I think that the Bears have a, not a great offensive line, but he's the only bright spot. And I think that he, having him at center, I think will just be able to, I think he was played a lot better at center than James Daniels, because even though James Daniels played center in college, he still he didn't have the time to transition to that position. Cody Whitehair learned his whole, most of his career at center and James Daniels, could play either at center or at left guard, but it just hurts the offensive line having Cody Whitehair not play center.
0: Agreed. I think it's hard to gauge what position you want where because if Cody White Cody Whitehair could be best at, at a different Cody Whitehair could be good at one position, but he could be needed on this uh, offensive line in a different position. So it is hard to judge where you want the players. I was just posing the question of if any player is better, but I think we're both, it's, we both agree. It's pretty obvious. Cody Whitehair is the best player on this offensive line. And if he keeps improving, you know, he could make another Pro Bowl. We'll see. I'm just excited to see where he goes.
1: Yeah, me too. I think he has potential. The Bears extended him last year. Smart. Locked up for a solid amount of time. And I'm I'm excited to see his potential.
0: All right. You can give me the next question, I guess.
1: So, just going at all of these, like, offensive linemen, the Bears' two tackles, Charles Leno and Bobby Massey, would you say that they're below average? Because it felt like a lot of the blame for the offensive line last year came from Rashad Coward, who had to replace Kyle Long, and they came from the two tackles. So, do you think that they're below average, or do you think they're just a scapegoat of this offensive line?
0: Bobby Massey was the one who had a bunch of penalties, right?
1: And Charles Leno, they both did.
0: Yeah, but okay. Yeah, those... Then I I don't see him as scapegoats. No, I don't see him at all. Penalties are one of the main things. Uh, what I was saying about being undisciplined, they did just let up a lot of sacks. But penalties are one of the main reasons. So no, I don't see them as a scapegoat at all. Rashad Coward was bad, but he was also filling in. He's not expected to be as good as Massey and uh, Charles Leno. So, yeah, I... I don't know if they're below average, but I'm definitely putting a lot of blame on them um, for the, the decline in 2019. Charles Leno, I think, is a step above Bobby Massey. I would say Bobby Massey is below average, and I think Leno played pretty well in 2018. And that's why I'm just going to list him above. Massey's probably around average, or when he's playing well, he's average. That is where I'm going to put them, but neither of them are elite or anything close to that.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. I would say that neither of them are elite. I think that Charles Leno has more potential at the current moment because not only his age, but his injury history and his how high he's played when he's been successful. Mm-hmm. I think that I would consider them both average. And maybe I would consider Bobby Massey a bit below average just because even though... Yeah, that's
0: what I said, basically.
1: Even though they might be similar in skill level and talent, they might have played similar last year. I think that Charles Leno just shows more potential and he has more highs than Bobby Massey. So I think that that's the reason why I would say Charles Leno is a bit above Bobby Massey. But I still think that the Bears, they need... It would have been nice for them to improve it. I, st- I actually say that I think Charles Leno is a bit below average and Bobby Massey is a bit below Charles Leno. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Improve. And I think if they were to do that, that would help them a lot. But also, I still think that they can succeed with those two tackles. And finally, our final question here.
0: Who should be the Bears' other guard filling in? They have uh, the two guys that they drafted in the seventh round. Seventh round, right? Yeah. And
1: Lechavia Simmons.
0: Yeah. There's Jermaine Fieri, Alex Bars, and Rashad Coward as well. So which one do you think is most likely to fill in, have the biggest role, or be uh, another guard? And which one would you want to be the Bears' other guard?
1: So I think that looking at each player individually, the two seventh round picks are not even likely to make the team. I think that having Al- Alex bars who played, he didn't he play like five or seven snaps against Minnesota in week 17. He played fine. I mean, he didn't do anything bad, played seven steps. You can't really grade a player against backups. He pretty much played a preseason game, mm-hmm. he played seven snaps, but he played very well in Notre Dame the patriots tried to sign him and the, and he said no i'm staying with the bears he's loyal to the bears he has a lot of potential and i think that he's a player that needs to be inputted and he needs a player that needs to actually be in the competition as well as rashad coward rashad coward was a defensive tackle till around 2 years ago where he switched and moving from defensive tackle to offensive line isn't so easy and you can't expect a player to be great until maybe three or four years after. That's opening. what our guy Ted Larson did. Yeah, I know. And um, I probably probably took him a solid amount of time, but he's doing it in the pros. So having him last year play, he obviously wasn't amazing. But I think every year he's still improving because he's he hasn't even reached close to his full potential because he still is getting used to playing offensive line. So I think that he has to be in the competition because you don't know what his high is. And obviously the front runner, Jermaine Effetti, I think that he's been a – he was a 1st round pick in 2016. The Bears really liked him. The Bears – that's what Ryan Pace said. The Bears liked him. And I think that he might not have been amazing in Seattle, but he shows a lot of potential. He showed a lot of potential while he was there. I think maybe having a different scene and a different team will help him. And obviously, honestly, he wasn't that bad in Seattle. Like he was average in Seattle. The Bears got him for very cheap. I like approve proven deal, and I'm very happy with the signing.
0: So, which of those do you expect to play the most?
1: I expect Jermaine Defendi to play the most, unless injury. But I still think that I—I I wouldn't say I'm. I'd still be surprised if anyone else starts at guard. But I think that the Bears can't write any of them off because all of these Alex Bowers and Rashad Coward both show tremendous potential.
0: Uh, I'm writing off. <laughs> In my decision right here, I am going to write off Alex Bars. I, I don't know. I just think that if- if Yeti, uh has more NFL experience and Rashad Coward of the three has the most experience on the Bears. Now, like you were saying, Coward had some pretty bad play when he was on the offensive line, but he was still playing for the Bears, and that's definitely an advantage and a reason why the Bears would want to start him over Ifeetti. But I think I'm also going to have to go with Ifietti because... He's still, uh, he was a first round pick. That means that he, I mean, that's not a good argument because of course there are plenty of busts, but still he wasn't great on Seattle, but I see him being the best on Chicago. That's why I'm going with the man from Seattle.
1: Me too. So thank you for listening and bear down. Bear down, baby. If you enjoyed this episode of From the Den, please remember to comment or leave a review depending on your listening platform. Or if you're a Packers fan, remember to write some nasty reviews and comments. Thanks for listening and bear down.